My best days are right in front of me, and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Give somebody a high five. You may be seated this morning. Well, I'm going to keep Liam up here with me for a moment. And um, if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 18. Yeah! We get more excited than OU Sooner football about opening the Bible. Come on, somebody. Anybody glad it's football season time rolling around? Come on, Oklahoma. Well, this is a chapter, Matthew 18. It's a passage where Jesus begins to talk to his disciples about the kingdom of God. And they kind of start asking him these questions. And the the first thing they do in Matthew 18, verse 1, they say, Jesus, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus grabs a little child and brings this little child and puts this little guy right in the middle of him. It would be about Liam's size. It's our oldest two-and-a-half-year-old little boy. He brings this little toddler into the middle of this big uh, group of people. <laughs> and uh, he, he says this in verse 3. He says, unless, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So unless you become like little kids, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. Are you eating a mint? Yeah, yes. When you want them to be loud, they're quiet. When you want them to be quiet, they're loud. It's always fun with kids. But then Jesus goes on to say this. He says, anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And what Jesus was saying is that when you treat kids nice, you're treating me nice. When you welcome a little child into the room, you're welcoming me into your room. So kids had a special spot in his heart. Hey, little guy. And kids were were special to Jesus, but he wasn't just saying treat kids right. He was saying, I want you to become like little kids. In order for you to come into the kingdom of heaven, he said the word in verse three, you will never get into God's kingdom unless you become like one of these kids. The title of my message this morning is The Kid in You. The Kid in You. How many of you used to be a kid? Okay, nice, nice. How many of you still are a kid? Come on, that's what I'm talking about. The 11 a.m. service is the rowdy crowd. A bunch of kids in here. I love it. I love it. You know, Jesus loves it when we just are, are like little kids to him. No matter how old you get, you're still a kid in God's eyes. And I, I love being around, like get, getting to re-explore uh, and remember what it was like to be a little kid, watching our little kids grow up and do so many funny, quirky things. I'm gonna give Liam back to mommy because he might steal the show the rest of the service. So we want people to learn something this morning. Give Liam a big hand. All right. All right. But you know, this past week, I knew I was going to preach on being a kid and and really the kid in you. And I I went back to the hallway where I grew up going to elementary. And I went into some of my old classrooms and I walked out onto the playground and I just began to reminisce about recess. Anybody remember recess? Oh, yeah, there was like this sign like, oh, I miss recess, right? The days where all we had to think about was 
who was going to swing on the swing set and which slide we were going to go down and who we were going to play with out at recess. And I was out there walking around the playground and I was just thinking about the days where recess was like my only subject. I had seven hours of recess, right? And then I thought about PE class and I thought about just the times I used to pull little girl's hair and I'd run around and I remember getting my first referral, going to the principal's office for pulling a girl's hair. And, and then my parents sat me down and said, we don't pull girl's hair. And, and I got in trouble, but I was thinking about what it was like to be a kid. And you know, anything that's written in red in the Bible, it means to pay closer attention that this is literally God speaking. He's speaking all throughout the scriptures. But when it's in red, this was his son, Jesus, speaking in the Bible. And Jesus said, unless you become like a little kid, you cannot come into the kingdom of God. He wasn't saying unless you act childish, you can't come into the kingdom of God. He was saying unless you become in your heart, in your mind, childlike, you will not enter to the kingdom of God. You know, I was thinking about just a moment when I was a kid where I got to meet a celebrity. Do you remember, has anyone in this room ever gotten to meet a celebrity before uh, growing up? Okay, wasn't it like a cool thing? Maybe it was the governor, maybe it was a, an actor, an actress, maybe it was a, a famous musician, or maybe it was the president that you got to meet. For me, it was a guy named Carmen. Carmen was like the man growing up. Carmen, if you don't know who Carmen is, he was like the Christian Michael Jackson. Like, Carmen could sing, he could act in his own movies, produce his own movies, make incredibly crazy awesome music videos, and he could dance too. Like, Carmen had some sweet moves that he brought out. And I remember growing up, man, I memorized all of Carmen's songs. I had every album. I listened to every Carmen, watched every music video, The Witch's Invitation, Satan Bite the Dust, The Righteous Invasion of Truth, Right, I remember, I remember the champion. I mean, so many good. How many of you guys grew up on Carmen for a little bit? All right, all right. Those of you who didn't, just go on Google and watch some old Carmen videos after service. It's awesome. You'll thank me for it later. But this one night, my dad said, hey, Paul, John, this was in 1992. I was seven years old. He said, do you guys want to go to a Carmen concert? We were like, oh, yeah, we do. Yeah, Satan bites the dust. We know all the Carmen songs. He's like, okay, Carmen's coming to the Maybe Center right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I got you guys tickets. So this was going to be an awesome experience. Me, John, we're seven, eight years old. My dad, we go to the Carmen concert, and guess who was opening up for Carmen? The power team. The power team was there. They're breaking bricks. They've got fire going everywhere and Carmen comes out and he's got a sleeveless shirt on and he's got muscles and I was just like man I just want to be like Carmen when I grow up you know like I just was like man he's such a hero he's awesome and and characters are coming out and he's beating up the devil and he's doing all these skits and stuff it was it was three and a half hours of awesomeness right and so and there was like 10,000 people packed into the maybe center and I'm watching this experience and at the end where people are walking out my dad goes do you guys want to meet Carmen? And I just was like, oh, yes, I do. I want to meet Carmen, Daddy. You know, and I was so excited. I was about to, you know, I don't know what I was about to do, but I was so excited. And so me and John are like following my dad, and 
we're thinking, man, this is a big celebrity. I wonder what he's going to be like. I wonder if he's going to be nice. Like, he is big time, you know? He was big time in the Christian music world. And, um, and so we're walking down the hallway, and this was back when Victory used to meet and have church services at the Maybe Center. And so my dad had some connections, and he got us backstage. We're walking down the hallway, and I remember coming around the corner, and I saw Carmen from a distance, and I was so nervous. He's coming down, and he's got the sleeveless shirt on right? He's got the slicked back curly hair. He's got the MC Hammer pants on. And he's, you know, he just looks awesome. <laughs> I was like, oh man, what's going to happen? And so we get closer and closer to him. And all of a sudden, like he sees us and he goes, hey, and he just flexes. And I was like, awesome. You know, like I just didn't expect Carmen to flex, but it was interesting. Like I'll never forget it. I was really bewildered as a child because I was like, okay. And so then we go over to Carmen and he's like, you guys want to touch the muscles? And we were like, yeah, we came to listen to your singing. The power team were the one with the muscles, but we'll touch your muscles too. And so we ended up squeezing Carmen's muscles. I'll never forget squeezing Carmen's muscles. But um, I remember standing there. It was all an awkward situation, but I remember standing there with John. We were seven, eight, and we were so like, it was so cool. We, we pulled out, you know, a picture that we had bought of Carmen that night. and He signs it. He was so nice, took pictures with us and just so kind. And I was thinking, man, what a, an incredible moment where he brought kids in and he treated them with kindness. You know, he could have been like, I'm going to my green room. I'm out of here. I'm going to get on my jet. I got to get out of here. I don't talk to little kids. But Carmen made time for the little kids. And I think about how Jesus was this celebrity, right, in Israel but he was so different than all the other celebrities. Instead of only making time for the big people, Jesus always made time for the little people. Jesus was always stopping to make kids feel loved. Every time there was an encounter with kids, I mean, here's another one, Matthew 19, verse 13. Parents start bringing their kids to Jesus, and, and, and they're bringing these little babies, and it says that uh, Jesus would lay his hands on their head and pray for them. So this was like baby dedications happening. And by the way, we do baby dedications at this church the first Wednesday of every month. That was my little plug right there. But I was thinking about how these parents are bringing their kids to Jesus, kind of like my dad bringing me and John to Carmen. And, uh, and, and the parents get up to Jesus. And all the disciples, they're hating this. They're upset. In fact, it says the disciples scolded the, the parents and the kids. They said, get away. He doesn't have time for you guys. In that society, a child under the age of 12 was invisible in their culture. In that society, children weren't even counted. If there was a church service, they counted the adults, but they didn't count the kids. The kids were not, they were the lowest on the totem pole. And so Jesus was trying to teach his disciples something. And, and when the disciples start rebuking the kids and the parents, Jesus says in verse 14, he says, stop that. Let the little children come to me and do not stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. Jesus was constantly telling his disciples, you gotta become like a kid. You gotta become like a child. He wasn't saying to act childish, but he was saying there's attitudes and characteristics about children. There's humility. There's something about them that was attractive to Jesus where he was telling all the adults, unless you become like them, you cannot come into my kingdom. Now, back to that one passage where the disciples asked Jesus, who's gonna be the greatest? On their minds, that's all they cared about. Jesus had just got done telling these disciples, I'm about to die. 
And instead of them sympathizing with this statement, they said, who's gonna be the greatest, right? That would be like me telling you, I've got one month to live and you being like, cool, can I have your car? Like that would just be so mean, right? Someone says, hey, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I've got one month to live and you're like, sweet, can I have your house? You know, you, these disciples didn't care about Jesus dying. They just cared about being the greatest. And so Jesus bypasses their lack of sympathy. And he says, let's not just talk about who's gonna be the greatest. Let's talk about who's going to get into the kingdom. It's not just about being the greatest. And in Jesus' mind, everything was upside down. If you wanted to be big, you had to be small. If you wanted to be the master, you had to be the servant. If you wanted to be the greatest, you had to become the least. And so he takes a little child and he says, this is the entrance into the kingdom. Not just for when you die, but for while you're living on this earth, if you want to enjoy the kingdom of God, if you want up there to come down here, you've got to learn to live like a kid. So what does that mean? I'm gonna give you 10 things, and I know it sounds like a long list, but I'm gonna go through it quickly. 10 things that I think Jesus was saying on how we can learn to live like a kid when we come into God's presence. Number one, kids humbly accept help. Kids humbly accept help. You know, right now, I, and, and, and this picture of, of Liam and Benaiah, these are my two little boys. This is in the back of my bike uh, little car attachment. I took them on a bike ride this past week, and they're in that back seat of that, that thing, and they can't buckle their seatbelts. I've got to do it, right? They can't pedal the bicycle. They're not big enough to do that, so they just get to sit there. They humbly accept the experience of sitting on the back of my bike, and I turn around, and man, they're smiling. They're giggling. They're having a good time, and I think sometimes God's saying, I wish you would just allow me to help you, because there's sometimes in our life that we become so self-reliant and so self-sufficient and so independent. I can do this, God. I've got this. And maybe God's saying, but I want to help you. I want to help you. You know, the Bible says that we are the children of God over and over and over. We are the children of God, which makes God our dad. And I don't know a dad in this room that doesn't have a desire to help his kids that doesn't have a desire. And, and even the worst dads in the world, like let's just say that maybe there is a dad in here that just hates his kids and doesn't wanna help them. And we pray for you in Jesus' name. Come to the altar call at the end. You're in the right place. <laughs> but even the worst of dads, listen, God is better than the best of dads or the worst of dads. He's a father in heaven and he's saying, I wanna help my kids. I wanna help you. But pride holds us back from asking for his help. You know, this morning, even as I was getting ready to preach this message, I just got on my knees. I said, God, help me preach the message this morning. God, Father God, I need your help this morning. You know, I think he loves when we ask for his help. He loves it when we just get on our knees and say, I can't do this on my own. I'm one of those guys, I need help all the time as a husband, as a dad, as a pastor, as a brother, as a son, as whatever. I'm always, I, I need help. But pride holds us back from asking for help, right? For me, like if I'm on a road trip and I think I know where we're gonna go and Ashley's like questioning me, I'll be like, don't worry, I know where I'm going. She's like, why don't you just stop and ask for directions? And I'm like, no, I know where I'm going. I've been here before and then I get lost. And I'm like, I should have stopped and asked for directions. And I think God up in heaven is saying, learn to come to me like a child. 
Children are dependent upon their parents. Yes, there is responsibility. Yes, we need to mature as Christians, but not to the point where we stop asking Father God for help. He wants to help you. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 18, verse four, he said, unless you become humble like one of these children. So there's a level of humility that Jesus is attracted to. Kids, when they were in that culture, they, they didn't come in and pretend like they know it all. Right, The Pharisees, they were notorious as being the know-it-alls in the room. They were the ones who thought, I, I can do all of this. I can earn my own salvation. I can build my stairway to heaven. Right, I've done enough good deeds. I've memorized the Torah. I've memorized all the scriptures. I've followed all of Moses' laws. I can do this without Jesus. But Jesus said, unless you become like a little child and accept that salvation cannot come on your own good deeds, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. This morning, I wanna remind you, no matter how good you've been or how bad you've been, there's a Father in heaven who wants to help you and give you salvation and give you healing and give you freedom because he's a good, good Father. Number two, kids. Kids believe without complication. Kids believe without complication. By the way, Every point's gonna have a picture of my kid this morning because I just really wanted to give you a photo album of my kids this morning. I thought about putting pictures up of you, you guys when you were kids, but then I thought, no, I just wanna look at my kids this morning. <laughs> no, these are, these, are, these are points that I think are helpful for you. And I think you should take notes. I really do. I think this is stuff that you can walk away with and go, okay, this is something that I can apply in my heart and my attitude this week. Number two, kids believe without complication. Jesus was saying, you've got to have the faith of a child. Children believe anything. Recently, I've watched as my son, Liam, who's two and a half years old, believes anything I tell him. Like if you were to tell him that this stage turns into an airplane, he would hang around here for an hour trying to find the button to push that turns it into an airplane. He would be convinced that what you told him is true. If you were to tell Liam that tomorrow he's gonna uh, uh, fly to China, he would believe that he's gonna fly to China. Don't tell him that. You're gonna get his hopes up. Like he literally believes anything you tell him. I'm, I'm noticing now if I tell him something, he remembers it for days and days and days. Like if I tell him, hey, we're gonna go to the park and we don't go to the park that day, the next day he wakes up and he goes, park, park, we go into the park, right? If I tell him we're going to BB's house, which is Mama Sharon, if we're going to BB's house, he remembers it the next day and the next day. And I wonder if God's saying, why don't you believe the promises I've put in the Bible? Why don't you believe the things I've said that I'll provide for you and remind me every day, God, you said you'd provide for me and I believe you will. God, you said you'd bring healing into my life, and I believe you will. See, the older we get, the more stale we can become, the more doubtful and cynical we can become. This last week, I was watching the Olympics, and I got home, and there was this one race meet that they were doing, and, and they had to jump over all these hurdles, and there was like 10 different hurdles, and I'm watching these different you know, countries. They're running, and they're jumping over hurdles, and one hurdle after the next, and I just saw something spiritually. It was like God was saying, the older you get, the more hurdles you have to jump over in your mind, 
Because the more you are doubtful and cynical about the promises that I've put in the word, the older you get, the easier it is to place one more hurdle, an experience of something that didn't happen, that you prayed would happen, somebody else's experience, an offense that you have towards someone, a scripture that you don't understand, something that you doubt, what the world has said, a movie that you watched, an experience that you walked through, those hurdles that you have to jump over. With children, they haven't experienced all the bad things this world brings. They're so small, they haven't experienced the the letdowns and the rejections and the hurts and the unanswered prayers. So for them, they believe everything. And I think Jesus is calling us back to that childlike faith. Trust me, I've got you. Trust me. Kids have a big imagination. They believe and they dream big. I love talking with my son. He talks about crazy things sometimes. Like he's got these dreams that we're gonna jump on top of a bird and fly into the sky and the bird's gonna fly us over a lake and we're gonna ski on the lake. Like he says crazy stuff. He's got a big imagination. And I think the older we get, the less we dream, the less we imagine. And God's saying, come back with that childlike imagination. Believe me that nothing is impossible. Believe me that nothing is impossible. Number three. Are you guys hanging with me this morning? Kids are honest, and I love this about kids. They will tell you how they really feel. Like if they're not enjoying something, this is one of our latest family pictures. We had to Photoshop smiles on the actual family pictures because we couldn't get it from Liam or Benai, our two kids. They just screamed and cried, right? And they were just honest. They wear their hearts on their sleeve. They tell you how it is. The older we get, the more guarded we become the less we're honest about stuff, the more pretending, we get good at pretending, we get good at wearing a mask, we come to church, and if there's an altar call, we're not going down because we've got it all together. We don't wanna admit that we have issues, but hey, listen, we all know you have issues because we all have issues, and we serve a great God who invites us not to be fake but to be honest, who loves the childlike innocence of just coming and saying, I need help, right? I need some help. Recently, I walked into the kitchen and my kids were screaming and crying. And I said, what happened? And my oldest son, he was so honest. He just said, I bit him. And I was like, well, now I have to spank you. You told on yourself, you know? Why'd you tell on yourself? The older we get, the less we tell on ourselves because we think we can hide our faults. But God sees everything. He already knows you did the sin that you did. You can't hide it. You can't cover it up with fig leaves like Adam and Eve. He already knows that you've messed up. So just come and be honest. God loves the honesty. You know, I laughed when Liam told me that. I felt bad for his little brother, but I was like, okay, you know, that's funny. That's sad. In fact, he, he bit some kids recently at, at, at the nursery and we had to take him home. He got suspended, the pastor's kid. We're working on him. You know what, though? I realize he bites people that he loves. He bites people, so he loves all the kids in there. So if he bit your kid, I'm sorry. We love them. They're okay. No blood was struck. It was all good. But, you know, I was thinking just about, um, just about the honesty of children. I heard a story about a mom who was going to a family reunion, and she had her daughter with her in the back seat. And her daughter was a little, like, four- or five-year-old girl, and 
She was rushing to get to this family reunion. They were all eating together. The family was waiting on her. So she's rushing to get there. And she gets pulled over by a policeman. The policeman gives her a ticket and you know, tells her you shouldn't be speeding. You've got a child in the back seat. And the policeman really gets onto her. So the mom feels terrible. And the mom kind of looks back and says, hey, let's keep this between us. Let's not talk about this. So they get to the family reunion and they're like, hey, what took you so long? And the mom starts talking about all these other things. The little girl's like, mommy got pulled over by a policeman. She was speeding too much, you know, and the family starts laughing. The little girl was so honest. And I think God loves it when we just admit, Lord, I could really use some help right now. He loves honesty. Number four, kids are affectionate. Kids are affectionate. Kids love to show affection. They love the cuddles and the hugs and the kisses, and they, they love to hold your hand and you know, when they're in that toddler stage, they just want to be held and they want you to rock them. Recently, that's all my oldest son wants. He says, rock you, rock you, which means rock me, rock me to sleep. And so I'll hold him and we'll just rock. And when I get ready to lay him down, he starts whining again. He wants me to rock him more. And I'm like, come on, Liam, you know. But there's a side of that that I really cherish. And I think God loves it when we allow him to just be daddy to us when we just enjoy his presence, when we aren't rushing in and rushing out, when we're not you know, ashamed to lift our hands in worship, that we are expressing our affections to God. You know, Jesus expressed his affections for us when he did this right here. He expressed his affections when he carried the cross to Calvary. He expressed his affections all throughout the Bible. All the encounters with Jesus, he was reaching out. He was touching the leper. He was touching the children's head. He was praying for them. He was touching Jairus' daughter. Jesus was hugging John the beloved, and he was pulling Peter closer. The older we get, the more walls we build up with people. One of Jesus' greatest commandments was love your brothers and sisters. But the older we get, the more guarded we become and we make people guess whether we even like them or not. And that's one of the, the cruelest things you can do to a family member, someone who's close to you, is to keep them guessing whether you even like them or not. Jesus invites us to come like kids and to live like kids, that if you really want the kingdom of heaven, if you want up there to come down here, you've gotta overcome the walls. Let the kingdom of God crash through the walls around your heart and allow yourself to just open up. Kids are affectionate. Number five, kids are excitedly curious. Kids are excitedly curious. Right now, my kids are in a stage where they're getting into everything. They're opening every kitchen cabinet door. They're pulling out bowls and cups. And in the middle of the night, I'm stepping on stuff and I'm thanking God that I'm a dad. And I'm walking through the dark and there's Legos everywhere. And they're pulling, anytime I sit down, I pull out my guitar. They want to see what I'm doing. They're jumping on top of me. They're putting stuff in the guitar hole. They're pulling it out of the, like they are so curious. And they're so uh, explorative and they wanna know new things. They wanna experience new things. If we take them out somewhere, everything's new and fresh. They wanna look in the grass and see if there's any caterpillars or bugs or butterflies and whatever they see, they're like, daddy, it's an ant, it's an ant, it's an ant. And I'm like, okay, I've seen a bazillion ants, but for them, it's amazing. It's amazing. When we come to church, Liam gets so excited. Church! Victory! You know, he's so excited to be here. 
everything is fresh and it's fun and it's, it's, it's awesome. Man, I love to just see his curiosity and his excitement. Every day is a new day. Anything could happen. We need to come to church with that same kind of curiosity that this book has more mystery than anything in the world. That this book is more exciting than Netflix. This book is more exciting than the Olympics. That there's scriptures in here that are still worth looking into. There's mysteries to find. Kids love a good adventure. They love mysteries. But the older we get, the more stale we become. And we stop asking questions and we think we know it all. And we unintentionally become like the Pharisees in the room, shaking our heads at the little kids. Look at those kids asking him questions. Jesus loves it when you ask him questions. And I want to encourage you to hang out with new believers. Hang out with people that like literally just got saved or haven't gotten saved yet that are going to get saved because their lingo is so different than those that have been saved for 30 years. It's funny. Like I'll have some people come by the door and they'll, they'll be like, blank of a sermon, pastor. Loved it. I said blank so that way no one would get offended. They cuss, right? Like that was a really blank good talk that you gave today. And I'm like, man, you know, I love having people that are just non-religious come through these doors and they're just curious and they're just learning all these new things and, and, they're, and they're, they're excited about what's next. I can't wait for next week, you know, and they're just excited. See, the older we get and the longer we're saved, we, we lose our curiosity. And I think that's one of my prayers for us as a church is that we would have a revival of curiosity with the scriptures that we would have a revigorating uh, 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 experience of just wanting to be hungry and thirsty and whatever service is happening, whatever series they're doing, that we don't want to miss it. We don't want to miss it. If there's a conference, I'm going to be there night, morning, whatever I can do. I'm going to get the podcast. I'm hungry. I'm curious. I haven't learned it all. Kids are content. Number six, kids are content in the little things. Little things make kids extremely thankful. I'm almost done. Recently, we were in a public place. Hundreds of people were walking around and our oldest son just laid a towel down that he found in the back of the stroller. And he sat on the towel for like 15 minutes, just smiling, watching people, eating chips off the ground. <laughs> he was so content. The older we get, it seems like the more we have to have. I need to have a bigger house. I need to drive a better car. I need to get a better job. My friends are having kids. I've got to have kids. My friends are getting married. I've got to get married. And we always want more and more. And we're consumed with something that we don't have. But for kids, man, it's like they're just living in the present. They're not checking their phone and scrolling through Instagram. Like I don't look in the back and watch Liam and Benaya have phones out and comparing their lives with all the other babies' lives out there. They have no clue what any other baby's experiencing. They're just content with their life. But the older we get, it seems like we keep comparing ourselves with everyone else and it makes us discontent. And Jesus is saying, you can't experience heaven when you're living with constant discontent in the present. You gotta come like a kid, a little toddler who doesn't have any clue what anyone else is doing, but is just happy. And I think God would love it if we just came into his presence and we didn't ask for a billion things, but we just said, Lord, Thank you, you're so good. I'm content. Paul the apostle, one of the greatest preachers, said I've learned the secret to contentment.
I've learned how to be abased and how to abound. I've learned to have all the food that I want and how to live in constant hunger. I've learned to live in the palace and how to live in the prison. And I still am content no matter where I am because Christ who strengthens me gives me the victory. I can do all things through Christ. So the secret to contentment is knowing I've got Jesus. I've got Jesus. Number seven, kids love to laugh, smile, and have fun. They love to laugh and smile and have fun. Kids are not uptight. They're not all wound up. They don't have a short fuse. They're just enjoying life. They're smiling. They're laughing. And you know, here's the crazy thing. You might say, well, Paul, I can't afford to have fun. I'm working three jobs. I'm paying for my kids to do this, this, and this. I can't afford to laugh. But laughter doesn't cost anything. You literally don't have to pay a penny to laugh. You don't have to pay a penny to have fun. It's an attitude. You don't have to pay a penny to smile. It's the one thing that transcends the rich and the poor, the young and the old, the ability to laugh. It's the one thing poor people still have when the rich have taken everything from them, the spirit of laughter. I can still laugh. And you know, laughter is medicine to your soul. The Bible says the more you laugh, the healthier you get. Laughter actually reverses the aging process. Some of y'all just got a revelation. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you can actually get younger the older. You can look younger the older you get if you just keep a spirit of laughter, a good sense of humor. I remember hearing stories from my parents talking about John Osteen, the father of Joel Osteen, that John Osteen, the older he got, the funnier he was, that he had a sense of humor. And if you were hanging out with him, he was always cracking jokes and having fun. And I think sometimes we can get in church and be saved for so long that we just, we can't laugh in church. We, we, we get upset and offended at every little joke. Or if someone does something funny, we, we get so stiff necked. And I think God's looking down from heaven like, hey, laugh a little bit. Come on, laugh a little bit. Stop blocking the gospel to get through you to the people around you by constantly being religious and stiff-necked. Have some fun. Loosen up. <laughs> He's a good dad. And no matter how dark the world gets, you don't have to lose your laughter. You say, well, Paul, there's a lot of things to be afraid about. There's a lot of things to be discouraged about. You're right. But you still got a reason to laugh. You still got a reason to smile. And if you search deep, you can find it. Number eight, kids forgive quickly. They forgive quickly. Like the second recently, I've watched this with my kids and probably with your kids or if you have nieces, nephews or grandkids, you've seen this. They don't hold on to offenses. They don't have a list of wrongs, right? Like if Liam gets hurt, he doesn't pull out a list and go, that's the 24th time you've done that, Paul, you know? Like 10 seconds later, he's totally forgiven me or mom or his brother or, or whoever it is that if, if someone hurts him and he hurts them, like they're just so quick to forgive. But the older we get, the easier it is for us to hold on to offense. We come into church and we're already offended at people. They took my parking place. They sat me in the wrong seat. I'm offended at this church. You know, we got 21 reasons why we're not coming back. And then we got 21 reasons why our spouse has let us down. And 21 reasons why I'm still mad at my dad or whatever it is. And I'm telling you, life is too short to carry a list of offenses. Drop the walls this morning. Become like a child. Let the kid in you come out again and forgive people. 
You know, the second, 10 seconds later, Liam's playing, he's having fun. He's, he's, he's too busy having fun to hold on to offenses from brothers and sisters. I think some of us, it takes us years, maybe even decades to let go of an offense and we're hurting ourselves. Number nine, kids rest well. Man, when kids fall asleep, they sleep really good. Recently, our, one of our kids slept 14 hours, 14 hours. I was like, man, I wish I would have been sleeping during that time, but I wasn't. But he just needed some sleep. He needed a lot of sleep. They sleep really good. At an early age, kids will sleep 10 to 12 hours at night. They'll take a nap in the morning, nap in the afternoon. Man, they're just napping. They're just enjoying their life. And I'm not saying that you just need to sleep through your life. But if you're really honest this morning, how many of you have had a hard time sleeping in the last year? Just raise your hand. If you had a hard time sleeping, like falling asleep at night has been a tough thing. Okay, yeah. If I'm really honest, I've had some nights where it's been hard. Like I'll wake up in the middle of the night and it's hard to fall back asleep. I think one of the reasons we have a hard time sleeping is we don't trust God about tomorrow. We're stressed about tomorrow. We're stressed about what's going on. And we spend the early part of our lives ruining our health to make money so that way we won't be stressed out. Then we get to the end of our life and we lose all of our money trying to restore our health. And God's watching this cycle, right? And he's like, guys, this isn't working. Pace yourselves, rest, trust me, I've got you. Proverbs three, verse five says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. The Bible says God will give you sleep. I wanna pray for you right now that God will give you sleep this year. How many will receive that? I'm praying you'll get a, an average of seven to eight hours of sleep a night. The anointing to fall asleep in Jesus' name. Here's how you do it. You trust that God is bigger than whatever you're facing tomorrow. So you can go to sleep tonight. Just go to sleep. You don't have to worry about it. Jesus spent a whole chapter in Matthew 6 talking about not worrying because it doesn't add one single hour of your life to you. Here's the last point right here. And then we're going to go into worship. Kids are boldly unashamed. Kids are boldly unashamed. Like they just don't care what anyone else thinks. They are going to be themselves. They were born an original and they don't think about being a copy. They just live who they are. And if they have a, a desire or a conviction, they go for it, they do it. I remember when I was a kid and I decided to follow Jesus, which is usually the prime time in most people's lives that they make that decision, what they're gonna believe in. Because it's easier as a kid to boldly step out. I was in Royal Rangers, a Christian Boy Scout group. And the commander got up and said, who wants to follow Jesus? Who wants to let Jesus be Lord of your life? And I didn't care what anyone else thought. I jumped up, I said, I do. And that day I walked forward and he said, who would like to get water baptized? I said, I do. I didn't care what anyone else thought. I went down to that water baptismal tank and I got dunked in the water and I came out. I said, I want the Holy Spirit as a kid. I want the Holy Spirit. I want, I want to learn the gifts of the Spirit. See, this morning, I wanna challenge you to stop caring what anyone else thinks. When it comes to coming to Jesus, God said in Hebrews chapter four, come boldly into the throne room of grace so you can obtain mercy in your time of need. I want us to stand to our feet this morning all over this room. Please, no one moving. This is the most important part of the message. I'll dismiss us all in just about 10, 15 minutes. I ended at this time specifically to give us time to worship 
here. If you will linger for a little bit in your Father God's presence, I believe that He's gonna give you peace this morning. I believe He's gonna give you joy. I believe those that came in here today a little stressed, a little exhausted, you're gonna leave with a little more hope and encouragement. You're gonna let Jesus just begin to heal areas in your heart where there's been brokenness or pain. I wanna end with one story as we're all standing. I remember as a kid coming back from Silver Dollar City in Branson, Missouri. And I was so excited. It, was, it had been a great day. I was with my brother, my two sisters, my mom and dad. We were in my mom's van. We're driving through the night. It's dark. And I fell asleep in the back of that van. I don't know what happened. All I know is the next day I woke up and I was in my bed. And I was looking around. I felt like Macaulay Culkin off Home Alone. I was like, how did I get here? What's going on? Who put me in the bed? I, what happened? I don't remember anything. And so I'm walking through the house and I get into the kitchen. I see my dad. I said, dad, how did I get in my bed? I was so bewildered and he just laughed. He said, Paul, you fell asleep. You were too tired to walk. So I carried you because you were exhausted. I carried you from the van to your room. And I'll never forget that. There were so many times as a kid that I was too tired to walk. And so he would carry me to the next place I needed to go. And I think this morning, there's some people in this room, if you were really honest, you are tired. You wear a good mask at church, but on the inside, you are tired. You're not sure what the next destination is. You're not sure how you're gonna get there. Maybe you just lost your job. Maybe your company has had layoffs. Maybe you're walking through a painful season in your marriage. Maybe there's something going on between you and a family member and you're tired. You're, you're not sure how to get the answer, how to get the miracle. What if this morning you came like a child into God's presence and you said, Daddy, I need your help because he's ready to help you. He wants to carry you wherever you need to go. How many of you can look back on seasons in your life and you just know it was the grace of God that carried me through that painful season, through that tough storm. He can do it again. If he did it back then, he can do it for any of you right now. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes across this room. Before we worship, you might be here today and you say, Paul, I need prayer. I need strength. I need grace. I need his forgiveness flowing through me. I've gotten all tied up. I've, I've grown up in ways that I should come back as a child and learn to forgive and learn to trust God. I've been stressed. I've been carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders. And I've been so self-reliant and independent that this morning I, I just need to come back to God as my father and trust him with heads bowed, eyes closed. If that's you, just lift your hand across this room. Yeah, going up all over the room from the front to the back. Young or old, no matter how old you are, you're still a kid in God's eyes. You can't outgrow being a kid in God's eyes. And he's saying, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. Yeah, here's what we're gonna do. In just a moment, we're gonna come down to this altar and just worship God for the next 10, 15 minutes. But if you're here today and you say, Paul, I wanna get water baptized. 
I wanna make a decision to go public with my faith. I want Father God to, to change my life. I've made the decision, but now publicly, I wanna go down in that water, down with the old man, up with the new. I want a new, fresh start in my life. If that's you today, and you're ready to go public with your faith, maybe you came ready, maybe you didn't come ready, but we got all that you need. I want you to slip your hand up in this room, all heads up, all eyes open today. You're saying, yeah, I wanna get water baptized in this moment in front of everyone today. Awesome. Would you leave your seat right now? We want those that are getting water baptized. Just come. Come all the way down to the stage. Come to my left. You're right. We're going to open this door right over here. Today is your day to get water baptized. Just come from wherever you are. Yeah, dads, moms, husbands, wives, sons, daughters, grandparents, young or old, come today. Today is your day to get water baptized. We're cheering you on. Come on, yes, yes, yes. I love you, brother. Wow, come on, Jesus. Powerful moment today. Powerful moment today. Let's do this. If you raised your hand earlier, still, man, still kids coming, still families coming. They're gonna immediately start getting baptized. Would you mind just worshiping with me for the next 10 minutes in here and let's just praise God as people are getting baptized. But if you raised your hand earlier, I want you to just find a spot down here at this altar during praise and worship. We'll dismiss. I promise you I'll get you out of here before 1230, but let's just take some time to just praise God. And if you wanna find a spot at this altar to release your cares to the Lord, just come on down to the front of the stage. You don't have to care what anyone else thinks. Just be bold. If you need mercy, if you need forgiveness, if you need grace, just take some time this morning and let's worship God. Let's sing that song as we have water baptisms.
Shout for your 